0: in San Francisco and I'm getting kind of bummed out because everywhere you go here, everywhere, the cable cars, the street lights, the signage, the bars, the everything. It's giants this, giants that. They love their giants here and I get that. It's really, really cool. It just makes me miss what that feeling is like. Back home. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. Where you can find me this weekend is here in the Bay Area. I came out to cover Pirates versus Giants. Series 3 game set that begins tonight at lovely Oracle Park. I got here a little early. I try to do that anytime I travel to San Francisco, one of America's uh, truly beautiful, remarkable cities, really is. And I get around to a lot of the more familiar stops for me on this little tour and enjoy it every time. And yet, somehow, by the time any trip is done here, I always find myself most moved by how much they love their baseball team. It's a neat thing. The Giants aren't always good. They are this year. They're the best team in the National League. A little bit of a surprise. Not so much, though. Because that's how the Giants are. They, they'll go dormant. They'll even be a disaster every once in a while. You know? 100 losses or something. And you don't get surprised by it. But you also never get surprised by when they're really good. You don't even get surprised when they win at all. Which they will also do occasionally. But through all that, the consistency here of the passion for this team... For the trust that they have in their management, in their ownership, in their core players, the Buster Posey, the Brandon Crawford types, those guys who've been around for a while, who've won a lot. I, I, I'm not going to say it's, it's unmatched in Major League Baseball because St. Louis has something that I don't know that anybody else has. But it is different. It is different. They love this team. They're always positive about it. They're always feeling good about it. And again, I've come here whenever they've been horrible. And it really doesn't change. My feeling, my gut feeling on this, I'm obviously not from here, and I'm not going to pretend to understand how or why the people here react to the team the way that they do. But my gut feeling is they just trust them they trust that whenever there's a step backward that the people who are in charge are going to make whatever moves are needed to make sure that the next step is one that's forward that's so important and i know you're thinking the same thing i am right now but i'm just going to go ahead and say it out loud that's missing it's grossly missing in Pittsburgh. There's no trust, virtually no trust between this city, Pittsburgh, and its ownership. There's no trust of Bob Nutting. None whatsoever. The next fan I hear from who says, you know what? I think Bob Nutting's got the right the right plan in mind or even the right intentions in mind or even anything that's less than diabolical intentions. I'm not getting into what's fact and what's fiction and what's uh, what's real and what's narrative and all that. I- I've made my opinions on that clear over time. A lot of the stuff that's said about nutting is hilariously over the top. But even that in and of itself speaks to the distrust because anyone can say anything about nutting and the person next to them is just going to nod. Yep, yep, that's right, that's right. No one's going to be the one who ever says, hang on a second, (laughs) that's actually not true. No one does that. Why? Because they don't feel he's earned it. Because it's so overwhelming against him. And now, even when you have this new management team in place that, to date, has made a lot of verifiably intelligent moves, what Ben Charrington, Steve Sanders, and his staff have done in building up this system in a raging hurry by baseball time, None of, it just doesn't matter. No one nobody wants to hear about it, because their feeling is at the end of the day, this is just doesn't matter. I'm not going to go get excited about a player. You know, not when I saw Joe Musgrove getting traded after he'd only been here a little while. And there's people who still hold incredibly the Andrew McCutcheon trade against the Pirates. They got Brian Reynolds back. I mean, Neil Huntington did a lot of lousy things as GM. While he was in Pittsburgh, getting Brian Reynolds for an aging Cutch was not one of the bad things on the ledger, okay? None of it matters to a lot of people because they've lost that trust. They've lost that faith. I wonder, I wonder at times what it would be like in Pittsburgh if Bob Nutting sold. And I don't mean sold to somebody that people liked. I just mean sold. I mean, just put it up for sale. Do you have any idea what kind of reaction there would be? Those of you who go way back with me will remember that I uh, reported, wow, how long ago was this? Several years ago that Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle, the co-owners of the Pittsburgh Penguins, had approached Nutting and made an offer, made an actual cash offer. It was $300 million. To try to buy the Pirates. This was one of the biggest news breaks of my career. Top of the Saturday morning Post Gazette, Uh, old school style by the way, we didn't break it on the internet, we put it in print. So it was news that literally landed at your doorstep like it was 1955, right? Really really exciting day for everybody except the Pirates I guess. Who really didn't want this information out there? But it was the joy with which this was greeted, and this wasn't even a. This was the furthest thing from a done deal. This was a rejected deal. But it was joy, just that people were just picturing what it would be like to have someone else own the team. I don't know. Look, I, I what Bob Nutting can do to ever repair his image. I thought that maybe there was a chance of that in 2013 to 15 whenever the Pirates made the playoffs and so forth uh, and and there was to an extent there were some people that kind of gave him credit for hey maybe we had this guy wrong look at them here look at the result. Uh, payroll actually did double from 2011 to 2013 and there were people that were willing to say hey but then you know after the 98-win season and all that other stuff we've been over a million times, it all went to heck again. And and here we are, arguably, for him, in an even worse spot than he was before that. I just, I'm just saying that it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame that other cities can't have the kind of relationship that they have here between the people of San Francisco and the Giants. Maybe someday, maybe someday we'll have that again in Pittsburgh. When we come back, just one question. and that's brought to you on this program always by the North Shore Tavern directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Home of Steak on a Stone. Home of the planet's only fully dedicated Pirate Sports Bar with memorabilia wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling. 365 days a year. A great place to watch the Pirates when they're on the road as they are currently here in San Francisco. Our question comes... From Terry Haynes, who asks, The Angels just drafted nothing but pitchers. Ben Charrington says draft the best player regardless. You rightly point out that drafted players are bargaining chips for future needs and that a position player is probably more likely than a pitcher to survive uninjured to the show. So why not draft only position players so you can have the best bargaining chips to eventually trade for pitchers that look like they can make it To the show, let others sift the sand, so to speak. It's a good question, Terry. I have no idea what the Angels were doing. Let me start there. I mean, I get it, okay? If they wanted to make some kind of big dramatic uh, impact or send a message that, hey, it's about time we start getting some actual pitching here in Anaheim to support Mike Trout before he turns 50 then okay message received if they were trying to guarantee themselves that out of a class of 20 pitchers they would get the requisite two or three players make it to the major leagues which is what the generally accepted number is out of a draft class any draft class but it it didn't make any sense, and there's a reason that the better part of the baseball world was laughing at them. I have a feeling you'd get the same response if any team, whether it was Pittsburgh or anybody else, drafted all position players. Because the fact is, you do need to stock your minor league system, and you need to stock your lower minor league system. So I'm going to take your question seriously, Terry, and, 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 and give a... A serious answer to it, even though I know you're not seriously proposing it, and that is that Ben Charrington's own philosophy as it relates to the minor leagues, and that works its way all the way down to the lowest levels of the minors, is that he hopes to foster competition at each level. He wants players to pretty much perform against each other, not in some acrimonious way, obviously, competitive. You know, you want to be better than the guy next to you. You want to be the best pitcher or player on your team. You want the player to operate with that kind of confidence and not have it be a false confidence because everybody else around him either stinks or is overaged. And what you'd have in the minors in that event would be a lower minor league system in which everybody would either stink or be overaged. And you'd have 30-year-olds taking the mound in Altoona and Greensboro and wherever else. Because you don't see, in general, a lot of prospect-for-prospect trades among prospects who are at the lowest levels. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't see Class A for Class A so you wouldn't be able to fulfill the mandate that you're describing there hypothetically. To be really clear here, what Charrington said about the Pirates draft approach is that they make their board and they follow it religiously. They pay no attention whatsoever to positions. What that means is if they come up with a list of the top you know, whatever it is, 300, 400, 500 players, all they do is they cross off other names as they get into the later rounds. Not the early rounds, obviously. There's a lot that goes into those, including the signing bonuses and everything else that we've seen play out in the past couple of weeks. But I'm talking about once you get later into the draft, you're not drafting at all with almost any thought. You know, if somebody falls to you, they fall on your board. It's just as simple as that. You don't have to adjust anything. You just grab the player. So, yeah, (laughs) they're not going to do that is what I'm saying. I appreciate the question, Terry. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. But me, I'm going to the ballpark tonight, to one of the better ballparks in America, Oracle Park. And I am going to enjoy myself. I'm going to write about baseball. I'm going to write a column tonight. I'm going to write a column tomorrow. And I'm going to write a column Sunday about baseball, regardless of what happens, regardless of whether the Pirates continue losing as they lost just now to the worst team in the National League three straight. They could also do that to the best team in the National League three straight. Or not. Who knows? Maybe Johnny Cueto will drop the ball this weekend. There! How about that for a positive memory? I'll talk to you guys on Monday.